episode of the Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, and I did make it to Alumni Stadium in Chestnut Hill uh, to watch Notre Dame's 45-31 victory over Boston College. Matt, back home in Chicago, um, it was about what we expected, right? It, you know, there were some moments where Boston College was throwing some punches. Uh, ultimately, Notre Dame is a far superior team with a far superior quarterback, and that showed itself fighting words far superior is is it yeah that's what i said i said it did you listen to the broadcast they were willing this thing i did not into a rival rivalry and there actually were like there were a few revelations that that sean mcdonough and and todd blackledge and and, uh tom mcjay molly mcgraff revealed that i was unaware of at least i mean um not to belabor the point but you know early on when the game's still competitive they're they showed ian book's tweet from january 9th talking about how the circle got tighter after phil left uh they said they asked ian about it he says just a post malone lyric bad timing phil said i called up ian after that and said i thought we were friends um and they said phil still doesn't to this day really believe that um believe that excuse that he was quoting in the lyric but um phil i was on the bc zoomed after phil but i mean phil was upset that they lost but i mean it was nothing but love for for everyone at notre dame said he has a lot of long friendships there yeah and that was I mean, it's the lead of my story tonight. It's just like after the game, he got mobbed um, by Notre Dame players. Uh, you know, it's Tommy Tremble and Justin Adamilola taking pictures with they him. They swapped jerseys? Right came over. Uh, DJ I, I guess Brian, if you, you know, played for one of those soccer, teams already, you don't need another uh, jersey one. Jersey swap. <laughs> yeah, it was just, you know, it was blood is thicker than jersey <laughs> colors. So, it. I mean, that was, that was cool to see. Um, also, I would argue that if uh, one team was mobbing a quarterback looking for a photo with him, Boston College should have come over and done it with Ian Book because I thought Ian Book was just absolutely lights out tonight. Um, best game he has played, maybe statistically, certainly not the best mm-hmm. game he's played because that was last week. Um, but you get to a point where that's two games in a row where you're seeing a quarterback really peaking and the receivers are making plays in the red zone that's been a thing it's become a thing <laughs> it hasn't been a thing and it needed to be a thing um now now it's happening with ben skoranek i mean if that if this is a sign of where notre dame's offense is going um then ian book is going to finish with that send off senior season that he is going to be remembered very, very fondly because Notre Dame is either going to make the playoff or just miss it, but then win yeah, a major bowl um, game. I think we were Brian Kelly after we talk about how when your quarterback is playing at that level, you know, you were a championship caliber football team. And um, look, it wasn't the easiest first half. I mean, I think there were all those like markers and omens for an upset. I mean, we saw the onside kick, we saw a <clears> fumble <throat> early on. Um, but but one a red zone at the very beginning at the um, very yeah, beginning they, they had the field goal and then they scored six straight touchdowns down there. Um, Ian Book was not. I mean, Ian Book looked like whatever B twelve shot he got from the end of last ga- last week's game carried over because like he, he statistically yeah he was better today I think but but you know you, you can never take away last week's moment but he was a guy who uh, is playing his best football and stringing together these performances at just the perfect time. I, I will say. It's a testament to how physical and deep and talented this team is that they can 
play uh, as sloppily, sloppily as they did at times tonight and never really have even like the spread in doubt. Um, because if you turn the ball over like that against North Carolina, I don't know if you saw what they did today, like you're probably going to lose. Like, And I, I don't say that to think that Notre Dame's going to come out sloppy the next time out two weeks from now um, in Chapel Hill. Uh, but, but Boston College just was not a, a talented enough team on either side of the ball to make Notre Dame pay for its kind of a casualness, casual approach to, to some of it early on. It was – yeah, I mean, the fumbles were weird. I thought the unsportsmanlike penalties were even weirder. Um, and I, I was it like, was, who so is they this? This is like – Ben Skoranek, like which Miami I thought that was a really cheap one. But, hey, he talked trash after a great catch. Yeah. Um, Dalen Hayes yeah. got one. Dalen Hayes. Yeah, it's Sebo like got one, the and then uh, Riley Mills got a roughing penalty late uh, for hitting Drakovic Lake. It was, um, yeah, it's like didn't you get the memo. It Mills? was like Catholics like, conference. Except the guy. Catholics were BC, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just and I asked Adeo Gandeje about that after the game because it's like you're watching some of that happen, and and like clearly the big takeaway is like that's bad. Don't give away yards. But then I'm sort of also thinking like. You know why is Kyron Williams a good running back? And I know it's not because he talks shit, but I do think it is. That Molly McGrath could not stop talking. She's, she's uh, my favorite player on this team. You see him on the sideline, just going crazy the whole time, and it's great. Yeah, just like there it was, reminds me there of Dexter Williams in that regard tonight. No, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Hey, I mean, Dexter maybe was the only guy who didn't get th- every roster. No, has Dexter to have was the only guys. guy who didn't get thrown under the bus in 2016. In fact, he got singled out as being the only guy who actually tried <laughs> on the right. team. Apparently, but I mean, Dexter, I think does play uh, with an edge to him that, that rubbed off on everyone. Yeah, no, he definitely did, and he was good sideline juice guy. Um, I think that this team mm-hmm. maybe has a bunch of those guys, um, and it's not really something that I've ever really written about or pondered when it comes to Notre Dame in terms of what's important and what's not, but. You know, I would you know look go back to the Louisville game and the sidelines in that game. Notre Dame was tight, tense, quiet. Louisville was rocking. Um, now I feel like Notre Dame's sideline like is up all the time. Like there were Notre Dame's bench is talking crap to Boston College players who run out of bounds on their side. Like that's like not a very Notre Dame thing to do. Uh, and I'm not saying it's bad. Like I'm. I think it's good. It's bad if you're losing, but right now I think it's great. You're playing with a swagger. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just seems like Notre Dame is kind of like feeling itself a little it's bit. It's like this whole team is playing up to Brian Kelly's uh, no longer being the nice guy uh, halftime <laughs> speech from, from USF yes. in week two. Uh, but I mean, I do think there's a little bit of truth to that. I mean, Todd Blackwood said during the broadcast, Brian Kelly said, we're not going into this game not to lose. We're going to dominate our opponent. And, and I feel like that's a, a phrase or a mantra He's really driven home every single week here. Um, I know he's looked ahead, so to speak, to Clemson publicly at, at some points, but um, they're, they're, they're not in this to just win and go home and do it again the next week. I mean, they're playing for something bigger here, and I think you, in order to do that, you need to, to walk with a pep in your step, have a chip on your shoulder that you're carrying with you Monday through Friday and when you're not playing in the game on Saturdays as opposed to just between the white lines. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, I think that that should carry the day probably through December to December 19th, right? Like, you know, and I, I thought that Notre Dame coming off Clemson, there's so it's such an easy look-ahead factor to Clemson Part 2. 
I didn't really feel any of that today. Now they're off. They got North Carolina, who's dangerous enough to get your attention. Syracuse, they can just like. Pfft, I whatever. hope Syracuse um, can feel a team at that point. Wake Forest is tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of this could have been amplified by the broadcast team, but I mean, you were there. Was it? And it's tough to tell in an empty stadium, but like, was it? Did it feel as chippy as it looked from afar? Yeah, oh yeah, no, okay. definitely. It was a chippy game. There was a lot of trash being talked. I mean, hey, a Boston College got a player got ejected for hitting a referee um, or bumping it, making a, a referee with a great Massachusetts yeah. accent. Massachusetts yeah. accent, I must say. Um, yeah, there's some home cooking for you. But the, uh, I mean, Molly McGrath said teammates said all week. He, you know, Phil Dracovic was upset. He had screenshots from from Notre Dame players he was texting with, um, and then we saw him and Kurt Heinisch get at it a little bit after that high snap, but I think that dates a little bit more to the uh, Pittsburgh Central Catholic Pine Richland High School rivalry uh, that, that goes back many years in Western Pennsylvania. But um, it was, it, you know, it, it definitely added a layer of intrigue to what was a, I wouldn't call it a boring game because there was a lot of scoring, but a game that, you know, lacks competitive drama, if you will. Yeah, no, I thought that other than the Tyree fumble and then the Kyron Williams fumble, that was that was sort of about as interesting as the game got back from. Uh, I guess as interesting as the game was from a um, competitive standpoint, where you felt like, well, you know, maybe Boston College is in. It. I mean, look, Boston College they they cannot run the ball uh, with any real effectiveness other than Jakovic. Um, they Jakovic is still a quarterback who's got a long way to go. I think we'd all agree with that, right? Like, he's got a chance to be good next year, maybe beyond that. But right now, I mean, he's just – he's got a ways to go. Um, you know, it's it's cool to see him play and have su- some success and have a smile on his face and all that. I mean, that's just kind of like a, the, a human element to it. But from a sporting aspect, I mean, you can see where – you can see why you would want to build around him, though, right? I mean, like, it's – I've been impressed by him this year because when you look at, one, the recent history of Boston College's offenses, which just don't throw the ball at all, and two, I mean, how many people on that offense right now would, would even play for Notre Dame right now? Hunter Long, and even then, he'd, there'd be a log jam at that position because that's the deepest position Notre Dame has on the team. And, and that, I mean, for the purposes of this game, I thought – that was a key for Notre Dame to take Hunter Long out of the picture, which they did. I don't think he had a catch in the first half, and um, that, that's been Phil's go-to guy again and again and again. Um, but he, he, he looked like he didn't have a chance on a lot of those plays. I mean, Notre Dame's defensive line, um, I had my doubts about them coming into the year. I was lukewarm on them going into last week. They ended up clinching the game for Notre Dame last week and, and absolutely dominated again today. Um, they, they have been a, a unit on this team that, that – continues to impress me um, as the season goes well, on. Well, I mean, how about how about this? Like, Notre Dame rushed for 278 yards and three touchdowns. Eh, that's okay. <laughs> like, that's where Notre Dame football is right now, which is really freaking impressive to me because it wasn't that long ago where 150 yards mm-hmm. felt like a lot of a lot of rushing success on the ground pre, you know, Chip Long and uh, McGlinchey Nelson of 2017. Now, this is just sort of the standard against a team that's overmatched, like, you have about 125 at half, and then you just rampage over them in the second half when you're when you're killing the clock, and they can't do anything about it. So, I mean, it's like you even see the way they spread it around. Ian Book, 85 yards rushing. Tyree, 74 yards rushing. That's a positive <coughs> sign. Flemister, 53 yards rushing. Brian Kelly did say felt like the injury to Flemister was not serious. Um, really got choking up on the play, but nothing a long term. You know, and Kyron Williams, you're sort of like go-to guy. 
at 37 yards. Um, you did it with really without a player who uh, was few players in the Clemson game had a more impressive night than Kyron Williams, and then he comes here and is you know held out a little bit. Brian Kelly, I think, said he had a bit of a shoulder where he could have gone back in the game, but well, they didn't looked, feel like on he the fumble too play, late. he looked in pain on the sideline. They came yeah, right back. That in. was the play. Okay, he came right back. Yeah, in, that, so I so that, sure he... yeah, that was the play where his shoulder was banged up, and BK was like. Yeah, you know, let's hold him out if we can. And then Flemister gets hurt, and you're like, can we? And even then, we're um, talking about uh, a really down game for him, which by his standards it was. But Fish was 74 yards from scrimmage, 37 pat, 37 receiving, 37 rushing. I yeah. mean, it's not yeah. like he was a no-show. No, 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 yeah, I'm not. Yeah, and then, like, the blitz pickup, which uh, Bruce Feldman expertly yes. wrote about during the week. If you haven't checked out that story on The Athletic, a plug. Um no sacks allowed for Ian Book either on 27 passing attempts. So it was overall, I mean, offensively, they're just really clicking right yeah. now in a way that three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I'm not not sure that I could be honest. If I was going to be honest, I'm not sure I would say that I saw this gear in this team. I didn't. I mean, I didn't see Avery Davis making the big plays he did. I didn't see Ben Skoranek making as many big plays as he did. I thought he was capable of one or two a game, but um, – you know, he played so well in the red zone, and, and that was an area where they were so poor coming in. I think they were ranked 88th nationally in conversion rate down there. Um, maybe not against Clemson, but against everyone else, I feel like you just throw it up to him at this point. I mean, that, that first touchdown catch was incredible. Um, that, that ball should have been broken up, if not intercepted, and he was interfered with. And um, he just made an incredible play on the ball. I mean, I just think that was really impressive. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Javon McKinley as well. Never never saw this coming. Um, and I'm nope. not comparing him to Jerry Rice or anything, but he's he's turned into maybe the second best receiver on this team. Yeah, it's and that and not by a default situation, right? I mean if and that's like if you had said that he was the second best receiver on the team, but Lindsey was available and Kevin Austin was available, like you'd be like, huh, all right. Um, you know, in some ways he's the second best receiver on the team because he's still around and healthy, but like I don't mean that as like damning with faint praise at all. Like he's he's a reliable guy who can help you out. Um, you know, I thought the slant that book threw to him across the middle was a that was a nice play. I, I don't feel like we've necessarily seen that from him a lot. Um, so yeah, just Notre Dame's offense continues to evolve. It was run first and run only early. Then it was run first, but throw to the tight ends a little bit. Now it's sort of all you can eat. Do whatever you want um, and. That's probably what's going to take in for Clemson part two. It's, that may be what it takes at North Carolina in in two weeks. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. I am. I let's flip to the defensive side because I I am. I wouldn't say that I'm worried about Notre Dame's defense in any way, but I am really curious to see what they look like against Sam Howell and Chapel Hill. Me too. Not to belabor the point, you mentioned Lindsay. We mentioned Chip on her shoulders. We mentioned Holy War. Brandon Lindsay's tweet during Ben's Karanik's uh, touchdown. <laughs> ben, you goddamn freak. I don't know how many Hail Marys and trips to the grotto you need to make for typing that out in the middle of an Notre Dame Boston College game, but Brandon Lindsay's about to find out. Um, Sam Howell, I mean, he finished with over, I think, over 600 yards of total offense today and seven total touchdowns. They were down 21 points to a, a good Wake Forest team. Not great, but good. I mean, it was, it was a game I thought would be competitive. It was 45-24. North Carolina ends up winning that game 59-53. to um, This is a five-star quarterback who started as a freshman last year, is now a sophomore. Um, and they're just a dangerous team. They're just a dangerous offense. I mean, the defense, you know, it is what it is. But offensively, you just cannot let them get in a rhythm. Um, the two games they lost at Florida State and Virginia, they fell behind by, I think, 20-plus points in each of them. The final score was both decided by three because they just made so many plays in the second half to scare the daylights out of the home team um, and, and give themselves a real chance to win. Now, uh, they can be sloppy with the ball. They can turn it over. Um, and that defense, you know, I, I'm not really sure what they're doing there. But it's a – did anyone ask Brian Kelly, is it a good time for a buy? I saw you tweet that. And I want <laughs> – No, he just okay. said it. I was going to reply with the, the facepalm Brian Kelly thing because anyone who asks that deserves that response because it's always a good time. I don't know if anyone asked if it was a good time for a buy. <laughs> he just it said it. it is a good time for a buy. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's actually the formal name of buys. Good time for it's buy. a good yeah. time for a... Well, hey, hey, if they were an independent, they could have scheduled this thing whenever they wanted, like they usually do. That's one of the perks of... Uh, yeah. Of, uh, being in, instead, they're in the ACC, and they got it during finals week. So I guess this is actually going pretty that well. That is going pretty well. Um, but yeah, Kip, yeah. the has play, played well. Um, Kyle Hamilton, you need, you need to make that interception. You need, the, you need that pick six highlight reel on your NFL draft pick tape next year, yeah. even though everyone knows how good you are. <laughs> um, that, that's one you're going to... Forget and then the other one got taken away on a very ticky tack call. Um, I thought, in yeah, the first I, did, half. I did not see the replay of it, Bo Bauer decapitating it, someone. Is that what they it, said happened? I, I would not have thrown the flag on that one. That was a okay. cheap call. Uh, speaking of flags, by the way, I think us two and anyone who's watched Nerdy football this year has now become uh, an unwilling expert on all onside kick penalties and possibilities because Notre Dame has been caught completely off guard. Two, maybe three times if you want to include the second one tonight. Um, you go back to Louisville, you go to the two today. And both times, um, they should have paid for it. And an unknown penalty that you can review and add a flag on while reviewing to see if the ball traveled 10 yards or not has netted uh, Notre Dame a mulligan, so to speak, on those. Um, and I think I wouldn't go so far as to say they lose the Louisville game if they don't if Louisville recovers an onside kick, but they very well could have. And this one, this early in the game, yeah. coming off a turnover, coming off a Boston College score, it just had all the, like, markers of, like, it's going to be one of those days, buckle up. And, uh, again, uh, the, the replay, the ACC replay review crew did them a favor um, this week. Maybe that was the most dramatic point in the game. That, oh, that, that, that was, stand yeah. or not. Well, I still don't understand why the last one got overturned. They said one guy was offsides, but it didn't look that way. And then they said, you can't block. And I don't think anyone did block. Um, 
but mm. whatever. That wasn't going to make a difference other than the points right anyway. Uh, one, one point, I don't know if you were uh, micro-listening to Brian Kelly or not post-game, uh, but Pete Thamel asked a question about um, – how it, how it was phrased. It, I think that Pete was trying to get at could you describe the difficulty of just being able to get to the starting line eight straight weeks, um, you know, whether with with testing, with protocols, uh, with the, all the uncertainty um, that's going around. And, you know, Kelly started to answer it that way, but then I thought he very quickly sort of veered into almost a um, – a playoff case um, angle to it. I don't know if you you heard. I, it that I saw way. the how, printed answer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I thought that he started by talking about okay, this is yeah, it's it's tough. This is we have to do X, Y, and Z to to make it through. Um, but the way the answer finished was much more about you know what? If we're eleven and one, that's a hell of a lot more impressive than you're seven and zero. Um, and I'm. I'm here to say that he is not wrong about that, um, that in this year and everything that's going on, if Notre Dame plays 12 games that and wins 11, that will be more impressive than somebody somebody else's 7-0, and maybe even more impressive than somebody's 8-0. How do you say that as I see Northwestern take a knee to go to 4-0 and and establish themselves as the uh, elite team of the Midwest, right? Um. Ah, I, I, I did enjoy your tweet mid-game of like if the – Notre Dame versus Northwestern Bennett Skoranek reunion game will be treated with the same gravitas as the Phil. I don't know if Northwestern is going to lose a game until Ohio State. Um, I think that says more about the Big Ten, which goes to your initial point. Big Ten sucks, man. It's not good. Like, like, I'm not saying keep Ohio State out if they win out. And I, I I don't think Brian Kelly said we've played a Big Ten schedule already at eight games. Like, well, not really, because you actually you played Clemson and they're good, so that can't be a Big Ten schedule. I don't dock Ohio State for missing out on a game against Maryland because I don't think you'd really do anything other than give Justin Fields some. It's like if Notre Dame boost. missed the Georgia Tech game, right? Like, all right. Um, but Pac-12 is not getting in. The Big 12 is not getting in. Big Ten's going to need a team to be perfect. Um, maybe it's Indiana next week. Who knows? Um, but I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I agree with Brian Kelly. I mean, they've done it better for longer um i mean it's, this is a case now of notre dame versus sec2 correct that's that's the that's the discussion we're gonna I, have then, i don't the, think you have that discussion unless florida upsets alabama yeah no i agree with you like there's no argument to me for like a&m cannot jump notre dame that's impossible um so with that off the off the books then you're down to florida or notre dame I don't see Florida beating Alabama. I mean, maybe, but if Florida beats Alabama, maybe that would say a little bit too much about Alabama, and then Alabama drops out and Notre Dame is in. I'm not sure. What if Notre Dame beats Clemson again and Florida beats Alabama? I say we do a Final Four of Cincinnati, Ohio State, Indiana, and Notre Dame. Play them on campus sites, championship at Lucas Oil Stadium. Why even bother? I love it. Or send them elsewhere. The exactly Midwest isn't the safest place in the world right now. But either way, keep the keep it at all Ohio, all Indiana Final Four. The the other yeah, scenario is uh, the season goes to hell, like it pairs to be on after this week, and Notre Dame Alabama just claim the championship for themselves, like they probably did back in the old days. Okay, <laughs> that's something. I mean, we could do that too. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I'm watching Notre Dame and I'm seeing them win with 
a certain amount of, of style. If they get through North Carolina, they certainly will get through Syracuse if it's played. And then I don't really know what Wake Forest is going to have in the tank, although they were the team that made North Carolina have to have. They're a good team, but the they're not. I mean, back they in school history, Dame, right? right? I mean, yeah, I just think like on both lines, Notre Dame will beat up North Carolina and Wake Forest. I would agree with that, yes. So I, I do think the whole playoff conversation and I was thinking about this today like just for a moment I let my mind wander there when, when BC took the lead and looked like they you know were getting the onside kickback and everyone's freaking out I won a couple of radio shows this week as I'm sure you did and pe- people were talking about oh is this me Notre Dame's gonna join the ACC blah 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 and I'm like you know they'd be in the playoff if they weren't if they were an independent like if they weren't in the ACC this year they'd just beat Clemson like they're in like they just gotta not screw yep. up now that extra data point that everyone has, has always said is so important and that Notre Dame needs to prove itself, it can really only hurt them. Um, I don't know, though, because I feel like because they're going to play Clemson, as long as they it's a seven-point game, and let's just say they lose, and it's 37-30, or it's you know, 35-28, I feel like that's probably going to be good enough. For I Notre think Dame. it should be, but I think... If you didn't have any game that week, you'd be in better position. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess that's why I, I want to push back against the it can only hurt them because I think that having a quality performer against against Clemson again is going it will help them. It will, um, but it's easier to just it can hurt them if they it's lose. It's easier to beat to Wake Forest and say we're in the playoff and say All right, beat Wake Forest. Let's come yes, back to the state next week and beat Clemson again. Um, I agree. Like it does. I I guess I would say the ACC championship does, doesn't need to hurt you. It could, but. It could help you as well. Like, let's just say Notre Dame wins the game. Like, well, that so would help. It, it, when they fell behind today, and I look at what North Carolina did, and, you know, you, you let your mind wander, it, it, I thought of the opposite because, again, all week I've been saying it can only hurt them. I thought of if they lose this game or if they lose another game between now and Clemson, um, you know what Brian Kelly's going to say. It's the same thing Dabble Sweeney said last week. He's going to say a trophy wasn't determined today. All of our goals are still in front of us. If we win out, we're in. And that's 100% true. Yeah. And that's the benefit of being in a conference this year. I agree. I agree. That's uh, you don't. Not everything falls away um, if you lose, if you if you screw up in one of these games. You get them all again, like, more often than not. Yeah. I guess North Carolina is probably uh, – is North Carolina going to be ranked when Notre Dame plays them now? I don't know who's left. I mean, Marshall's like – 15th or something. In the Coastal Carolina Penn, Penn State, um, which was number seven four weeks ago, that late in the year, um, and hasn't won yeah. a game in 2020. They're no longer ranked, but uh, you're, you're, uh, you're grasping at straws to try to find like worthy teams to even rank at this point as far as right. like, who's what. I mean, Liberty's undefeated and ranked, so yeah. Yeah, it's not uh, – I, I guess it's just – I don't know. Notre Dame's schedule, they, they've won, I want to say, I believe we're at 31 straight games against unranked competition, 14 straight overall. Um, it's, they're, they're rolling right now. You know, eight straight against Boston College. Um, that's, that extends their longest streak in that, in that series. So, I don't know. Stuff just seems to be going pretty well for Notre Dame. And I, I think that they're, you know, how many times have we covered an Notre Dame season where they're undefeated or challenging for the playoff and we've t- been talking about style points as a bad thing because they can't – Notre Dame doesn't do a good job getting them? Now I'm just like, yeah, we'll just we'll just take it. Style points, we got it, no problem. Um, you know, they could have scored more of them today, but they scored enough of them that I, I don't think the conversation around Notre Dame is going to change in any way. 
after the Clemson game. That's I, that's how much credibility yes, I, that kind of I personally am of the belief that if they lose the Clemson by single digits, you will not convince me that they're not one of the four best teams in the country, assuming chalk holds with Alabama and Ohio State. Um, I am of that belief, yeah. yes. Um, what's the committee going to do? I mean, they haven't even met yet. I think they meet this week for the first time. We'll get some sort of insight into their line of thinking. I mean, I thought in 2015 they were – Notre Dame was helped a lot by how highly the committee thought of Clemson that year um, and Notre Dame's close loss to them. Because mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame really – that was a great Notre Dame team, yeah. but they didn't really have a huge resume as far as – No, I mean, be. how – I feel like with Notre Dame, how long have we been talking about them in the playoff discussion as like, right. well, they have a great loss. Yeah. Now they have a great win. Yeah, it's no, a lot better. No so just, it's just a completely different discussion. So – is there anything else from tonight that you wanted to uh, discuss oh. before we uh, call it a night and I hop in an Uber back to Boston? Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, the BC Zooms this week where I got to hear about Notre Dame's third down defense uh, winning by a large margin. Um, I'm sure Brian <laughs> Kelly appreciated that one. On that note, we did not address his 100th victory. His 79th no, <laughs> crossed out um, 100th victory at yeah. Notre Dame. He sounded surprised we, uh, when he, like Molly McGrath was, brought it up to him post game. I was like, "You mean like forever?" I feel yeah. like I have more than 100 wins total. He said the over under on that after my first yeah. year wasn't too good. No, I mean he uh, he was asked about it in his post game press conference. Basically, said, "I don't spend any time thinking about it. I believe that um, I might think about it after I'm done coaching. I believe that, and it means I've had a lot of good players and he's, a lot of good coaches, and I've tied Lou Holtz that too." If they win out, three regular season games, ACC title game, two playoff games, and national championship, that's six. That would give them 106, one more than Newt Rockney, who had 105. Does Brian Kelly retire? Uh, I think you should, you should absolutely phrase that like a question to Will him you next retire week in that if way. you beat Rockney and win it all? <laughs> what left will there be for you to prove? Hand it over to Tommy or Clark. Yeah. Mm hmm. Co-coaches. Uh, actually, Elson. I, just, he would give it Elson, probably. But all oh, right. It. Uh, that, yeah. It. The. The Brian Kelly. If. If you follow her name football, either as a reporter or a fan, you know that he just does not engage in big picture retrospective thinking at all. If you're going to ask those questions, you got to ask them in July, uh, before the season starts. Because once the season starts, man, that part of his brain shuts off, and I don't think that part of his brain is really all that engaged in offseason. <laughs> no, either. it's not. It's definitely not. He just doesn't have time. That's for what it. will make whatever is next for him uh, fascinating. Because I think he, whether it's media, whatever it is, I think he'll have a lot to offer, and maybe he shows a side of him that. I think all these guys, once they get to that seat, show a side of them that we're always like, where was that? Mark Rick is like yeah. the funniest man on television now, and he was not the funniest man on the sidelines uh, when he's at no. Miami and Georgia. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. If, if you have anything else to to add to our uh, post-game Shamrock, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, I do you. not. Um, ho- hoping to line up a, okay. a great guest for the bye week. Hang tight on that one. Um, if you have any suggestions, please show them our way. We're, we're running out of offensive linemen to tap into. <laughs> have we, wait, and we have not had Mike Golick. Is, is there a Notre Dame connection there? Is that like a breaking like break case of emergency guests? You sure he went to Notre Dame? I, I, they never talk about it. It's, it's, like the, it's like the talk show host. I interviewed like, him for that guess. South Florida Who story. Who can I call? Yeah, no, he'd be fun. 
Mike Monaco, go with Boston him. guy, but Notre Dame have... guy in the media. Mm, I feel like the moment has passed. I don't know. It's a, maybe there's, I don't know if there's a North Carolina angle at some point that we can get into, but we'll save that for North Carolina week because even for podcasts, the bye comes at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so Fortuna and I will we'll rest up this week. Um, maybe we'll have a blockbuster guest. Maybe we won't, but... Um, if we do, it'll be an awesome podcast. It'll still be an, it'll still be an awesome podcast. It won't be any the wiser. Yeah. <laughs> so until then, he's Matt Fortuna in Chicago. I'm Pete Sampson in a very lonely stats box atop Alumni Stadium. Uh, and I will be calling an Uber here in a second, heading back to Boston. So until our next podcast, thanks again for listening to the latest episode of Shamrock. Wrapping up Notre Dame's 45-31 win at Boston College. Mm-hmm.